We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. By the end of this time, you will have heard the story of Charlie. You will understand the message that we've received about unstopping wells. You will consider what the Bible talks about, means about sending. You will see how sending is part of our DNA. And hopefully you have an opportunity to apply what it means to being sent to your own life. I was looking around at the beginning before we began the meeting. And uh, it's quite interesting. People were sort of smiling, looking happy. I thought, what is it about me that when I stand up here, everybody looks as though they're waiting for the dentist? I mean, I look at me, I don't think I'm beautiful, but I don't think I'm that repulsive. So it can't be that. I know my voice is soothing, calming, and it may help you to rest, and that's probably a positive thing, so it shouldn't be really an expectation of pain, but of pleasantness. And you know at the end we're going to wake up and we'll all be happy again. So it's quite a lot of positives, really. All right, so, Charlie Cove. I want to tell you a story. Charlie was born somewhere around about 1900. He, he was kind of living wild. Uh, in fact, he was a, quite a drinker. But one day he stumbled out of a pub in the East End And there were a group of people declaring the gospel outside, just gathered round. And he stumbled into that group and somehow met Jesus. He ended up pastoring in a very poor, rough area of the East End of London for many, many years before and after the war. He had this thing of relating to people. Uh, He loved people, whether they were in the church or outside of the church. He was somebody who didn't really have anything of significance in this world. Uh, Possessions, money, anything like that. Uh, In fact, most of what he had, he tended to give away. And, you know, even later on, uh, when he'd retired, uh, having pastored churches and worked for the Poplar Borough Council. Uh, He used to go and sit on a bench at the junction of Abbots Road and East India Dock Road with other retired men and just talk to them and share the Lord with them. If you gave him money and he received money, He always wanted that, but he never kept it. It was for another purpose that he could pass it on to others. Lived in a house that was still damp from the big flood of, was it 53? Outside toilet, no bathroom. Pretty basic. Actually, 
ended up with bone cancer and spent two years in hospital before he died at about 70. I know about this because Charlie Coe was my granddad. He'd be thrilled to see what God has put in us in terms of loving people and reaching out to people. What he did in small scale, in respect, when I think of how God has taken us in all the different realms, Think about peace together, reaching into the lives of people that are broken. All the things that God's giving us to do through what we call community resources. Again, reaching into the lives of people, looking to see them introduced to Jesus. He would have had no concept of the, of the impact and involvement of Lifeline Community Projects and the things that we're doing. But that would have reflected his heart in a major way, reaching out to these troubled youth and different areas of need. He would have been intrigued as we are engaging in seeking to help other faith-based organisations through faith action to reach into the community. You see... Yeah, he was in a denomination, but he reached out way beyond that. It wasn't his charisma. It wasn't his preaching skills. It was his heart of love that created the impact. And he wasn't really taken in by the fact that he met with people that were at that time considered significant. And as we reach out with things like Alpha, many of you have, have experienced and had the advantage of uh, the connection through something like Alpha. That relational connection that leads us into relationship with God. He had four daughters, they and their husbands served God and followed him. Five grandchildren, three of whom gave their lives in, in terms of full-time ministry. One in as a missionary and in different pastoring and evangelism. My problem was this, I didn't rate him. I thought, hmm, he's just a little, little thing, just doing sort of minor things. I, I, my, my focus was on something more impressive, bigger churches, more impressive ministry. Uh, until I began to wake up to the real heart of God, which was not about how big, how impressive, how well-known, how extended. 
It was about love and relationship. That which showed the essential heart of God himself. Then I began to see something of, here's somebody that carries a grace that models something. Here is somebody who was sent by God. Not in some way in which this world would probably be able to recognise, but in a humble, biblical way that represented the very heart of God. You see, Charlie Coe, whilst he didn't look impressive, probably, in many respects, is the forefather of what we have now. And he would be absolutely over the moon. See, sending, and that's what we're going to look at today, sending. Remember, we've been hearing about the unblocking of wells. One of those was sending. It's very significant. And I want us to look at that and see it not just on the external manifestation, but on the heart of what God has given us. Sowing seed for a future harvest. Sending. Being sent. You know, we have to recognise that we might not start or complete the relay race but it's our responsibility to run the part that we are in with the very best of God's anointing and our commitment. It's said that society grows great when men plant trees whose shade they know they will never sit in. So when we were away with a number of the leaders and people from this congregation, and Terry King was with us, he brought this word about unstopping worlds. One that he mentioned was this thing of sending. Sending is, if you like, a commitment to go beyond ourselves. It's not so much where we go or what we do, but it's the heart of God within us that causes us to reach out so that we're not just focused on our own selves or our own lives. The unblocking of wells so that the flowing water of life can take place. So he said an interesting thing. Terry said, you can't give away DNA. It must be invested. And change is likely to happen as far as we're concerned, as far as what God has com commissioned us to be, change is likely to happen through relationship. Because when we look, pretty much everything that we have done has begun and worked out of relationship and connection. Every connection across the international network is a relational connection. We don't have any others. We've never yet sat down and said, let's go and plant somewhere or let's send someone somewhere where we don't already have that ongoing relationship. But I want us to understand what the Bible says about this, about, so that when we're talking about unblocking the world, and when we're picking up on this one of sending, we're, we're understanding what it is. 
See, the truth of the matter is, we are all to some degree sent or commissioned. Mark 16 says, he, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. There's a sending. Matthew 28, this is great commission, goes to all of us that are followers of Jesus. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely... I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. As a kind of general sending, go and make disciples. Don't keep what you've received. Don't hold on. Don't look too inwardly at this revelation, that this miracle of salvation that God has visited us with, but to see that he has a purpose in appointing us and commission us. So how do we respond to that, to being sent? Well, in Jeremiah 1, you have to have the Lord saying to him, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. I was very excited, I think would be the word to say, I know I'm not very good at expressing excitement, but it's inside. You've got to just believe me. Story I heard of one of the young children realising in his class he was the only one that believed in Jesus. And instead of being intimidated, he was seeing the opportunity, the challenge, the importance, the significance of actually being that light in that area of darkness. We can resist or question our sending. Moses did it, Gideon did it, Saul resisted their sending. Remember Gideon, you know, at the time he's hiding in the wine press for fear of the enemy. I mean, he's frightened. Uh, and when... It, when there's an inter, uh, a kind of inter-conversation, he's into, well, no, I'm the weakest of the tribe, the tribe's the weakest of this. I'm like, oh, dear. But God, as he responded, takes him and makes him something more, something different to what he would naturally be. And I just said, yes, Lord. That's what I believe here is happening. And that's what can happen to any one of us. We might not feel equipped, qualified for such a calling. But we are, we are light in the darkness. It's like being an ambassador. Not because we're anything special, but because we've met with God. We had the revelation. Once I was dead and now I'm alive. I am now a servant of the living God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in our mortal bodies. Whether, wherever it is, in the classroom, in the workplace. Isaiah 6 verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? 
And I said, here I am, send me brother or sister. Here I am, send me. That's a personal response. You can't do it for somebody else. We can embrace sending. And in this time, as God is speaking to us and we're, we're, we're recognising that he's been pouring into us over these weeks and months, it's also time that we take what he's done, this fresh glimpse of him, this fresh anointing, but we also look and say, yes, Lord, what do you want? What's next? What have you got? For me, for us. Here am I, send me. Looking out beyond ourselves. Then, there's the, there's the encouragement. Because it's not just a natural thing. You will receive, Acts chapter 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. That sending took them beyond themselves. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit to achieve a task that naturally would never happen. And we're believing that the Bible clearly says as we receive that, as we look to hear and respond to that, that we will carry a lot more than any knowledge we have we will carry the fact that we've met with God and we know what it is to love him and especially for him to love us. Now, there's specific sending. Acts 13, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me. The Holy Spirit put his finger on Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. This is obviously about the direction of the Holy Spirit. Hmm, I kind of feel, I feel, it might be nice if I got called to Mauritius. I've just seen the pictures of those beaches. I went there once, by the way. Did you know that? Well, this is nothing to do with what I'm saying, but I just thought I'd tell you. I was telling somebody the other day, it reminded me. I went to Mauritius, I went from the airport to the hotel where the conference was. I did the conference and then went back to the airport. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't there for anything else. So the direction of the Holy Spirit. Specific people called out for specific tasks. There's a responsibility. Acts 14. From Attilia, they sailed back to Antioch, when, where they'd been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Reporting back to those who had been involved in the sending. We do that. Um, we don't get to report everything because you, you have chosen to hear from my wife rather than from me. 
so you don't get to know the detail of the theological things that I've covered. You hear other things, but the heart is in it. But you have to suffer that. It's your choice. I'm not resentful. What's the point? It's what the Bible says. Antioch had a vested interest because they'd sent and they were involved and they were caring and they were praying and therefore were keen to hear how things had happened. There's also a biblical principle, you know, of what we tend to call sharing the plunder. In 1 Samuel, they sh- the share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to battle. All will share alike. That, that's a really good biblical principle of recognising that we all have a part and we all share in rejoicing of the goodness of God. When I hear stories of things that God's doing, I think when I first saw the pictures of the two young lives and the, and the mothers with their babies, you can't help but be thrilled when you hear the stories back, when people report back of the goodness of God. But it's just the same when we hear of somebody who's taken up a commission in a given area, whether it's working in the community or in any aspect, seeing God at work. It's our God and we have a real invested interest in that. God is able to bless you abundantly so that, this is 2 Corinthians 9, so that in, uh, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I, I'm particularly wanting us to understand this because there's a temptation to, oh, I, I, don't, I don't have what it takes. Um, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't feel I've got it. I, I, I don't know, how, how could I do this? How could I stick my head above the parapet, as it were, and be known and seen for who I'm representing? Hmm. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You see, as it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. What's it saying? It's saying, I will give to you what you need. I will give to you so that you can pour out. It's not about us going and then kind of whatever it is, whether it's into, into the office or into the school or into the workplace or into some far off place. And then, oh, oh, what am I doing? No, he goes with us, empowers us as he commissions us. He supplies us so we can give freely. And we've got something to give. So we're all sent. Can express it in many ways. Sending and reporting back is key and important. Sending is part of who we are. Now over this period of time where God has had us focus on our connection with him, I've had a deep and growing sense that this 
was for a purpose. Of course, he 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 wants to be with us and uh, and for us to know the closeness and us to worship him. But it's a time of preparation because I believe that he's got further and additional things, and we needed that fresh equipping, and we still need the ongoing equipping in order to do and go where he's taking us. I don't know where that is. I don't know the detail at all of what that looks like, but I have this sense that there's something more for which we needed that fresh encounter. So we can express it in many ways. Sending is part of who we are. God spoke to us in a number of ways, prophetic direction for us as a community. One of them was this thing, that phrase we often use, taken from the story of the widow uh, who was told to pour out the oil uh, and to continue to pour out the oil even though the supply looked as though it would be uh, completely used up but it was re- replenished time and again. God spoke to us about pouring out the oil. That is, being willing to give, to send, to go, to pour out. And I think we see in the things that I alluded to and just touched on quickly earlier on that we've certainly been engaged and continue to be engaged majorly in doing that. Another thing that has been very strong and important to us is the whole issue of uh, blessed are they whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, means we never settle down. We never say, that's it. Hearts set on pilgrimage is basically recognising we don't stop going, but we equally don't stop learning and developing and changing. We need never to stop learning. Things that God has said to us, And because, as I said before, the relationship is a particular characteristic of the the revelation that God has given to us. Right from the very beginning, when we started just as a small group, it's a characteristic that God has called us to demonstrate, to live in. So we would expect this to be, if you like, an export of anyone or anything that we do, and we're sent, we take who we are and what we are to give. So thinking about ourselves, church, well, it's clearly not a building. We don't think God ever intended it to be a place to kind of escape to. It's certainly not something built by men. And it's not just a place just a place for us to be blessed. I trust and hope that we are blessed as we come together and as we fellowship one with another and as we serve God together. But it's more than that. And it's certainly not just a waiting room before we go to heaven. But rather, what is it? It's a body of people God has joined together and given leadership to. Joined together in love. Joined together in relationship to express and live out the clear commandment. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then instead of leaving that in a kind of uh, theoretical way, 
in his word sets out very clear, specific ways in which we express that love one to another. Real practical things that include serving and giving and caring and, and I mean, I believe there's about 43 different instructions of how we are to express that love one to another. And even then, we're still to seek the kingdom of God. To know his minds and thoughts and intents, which is essentially what we're doing now, what we're doing in these days. And to bring his will into being on earth by laying down our lives to him. These are the scriptures. These are the instructions. Church is called to equip God's people to make a real difference wherever they are. You remember the story of Jesus with the woman at the world? He invests in one woman. And it leads to a whole village hearing about Jesus. Believing we can impact our communities. I'm not just talking about our geographic community but the community where we are, school, office, work, park, wherever, in any area. In partnership with God, advancing the kingdom on earth. Jesus wants, Jesus in us, wants to change the atmosphere around us. Something different. Has anybody ever said that to you? people that you work with or people that you mix with? What is it? Something different about you. He wants to equip you for this calling. Being sent to wherever you are, being commissioned, enabling you to be an agent of change. You have a vital part to play. So what could it look like? Expectation that all will be Bloom where they're planted. Carry the scent of Christ. Whilst some may have a sense of a specific sending, who decides? How will they know? What do they do about it if they think they should be sent? Who should one speak to about it? Well... What has it looked like in the past? Let's just kind of revisit that a minute so that we're kind of not just talking in a concept but seeing how it works out. Think of some of the people that have gone. Not only we talk about some of the people who have gone to foreign parts, but just think about, um, many of you remember Bob Baker, who was head of Valentine's. When he first came here, he, he was almost, I remember first, the first time I met with him, he was almost sort of apologetic. He moved into the area um, to take the headship of that school, which was a, in a pretty bad state at that time and saw it completely turned around. And he, 
he'd been left with this situation. He was not considered like a, a second-class Christian because he, he didn't go to all the meetings. He couldn't go to the prayer meeting because of the demands of school, but he was called to the school. It was very interesting. It was a learning time for us. What we said, Bob, we can, we can see that, we can understand that. Um, let's recognise that you're sent to the school and let us support you in that. If, if he had an issue or problem or something that concerned, he would call, we would pray. Sometimes it went beyond that. I mean, Bob was very clear about what he wanted. John, we have a problem. We need to fix it. We need the altar. We need God's help. There's vandalism in the school. So, now he had methods that wouldn't necessarily be mine. So we need to come to the school and pray. Okay, so a few of us went. Well, I didn't realise that it was to walk all round the school, outside as well as inside, on this particular Saturday, and it was absolutely pouring a rain. But they ain't going to put Bob off. And he saw something significant happening there. He was sent. He would report back. He would call. I think that was a teaching time for us, learning something about what God meant. Then you've got uh, different people at different times. Uh, Nobs went to Sierra Leone and Anthony Clare in Botswana. And, uh, but I thought I'd just, uh, I'd just jump on Martin, because Martin and Deb went to Mozambique. Nice place by the sea. Um, you know, nice and warm. Uh, um, relatively secure. <laughs> Mark, come on. Can you can you give my uh, give him a microphone or something? Oh, he can get it. Yeah. So I'm going to ask him a couple of questions because actually he can tell the story good. We just don't get him to do it very often. Yeah. So Martin, was there some ceremony of sending? Well, yeah, it was a few years ago. But um, apart from the party poppers and dancing girls. Um, <laughs> We were, I don't we remember were, that. Bit. No, no, I, that was a difference. Um, we were just prayed. We were prayed for um, at the front of the church. Okay, and was it just the leaders who decided and knew, or was the whole church aware of it? Well, just a little recap. I'd always had this feeling that I was going to go back to Mozambique. I'd been out there before. Came home and found a wife. Hey, man. I had to wait for her to come in line. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm glad she's on kid work. <laughs> um, but <coughs> there was I'll a tell you what's going to happen now. Yeah. Before this meeting hardly finishes, somebody <laughs> here is going to tell yeah, on you. Yeah. Um, so apart from the, the general word that the church had about pouring out the oil, Debbie and I had a, a specific uh, prophecy from a guy called Keith Hazel, which was about us being an extension of this tent. So we were going to go somewhere and be a part of the us, but in a different place. And so we talked it through with the leaders. Um, we had a sense it was the right thing to do. Um, and then um, at that point, I mean, I obviously, we obviously talked to all our friends, but then the church were 
we're told as well. Mm. So what does the sending community do for the sent? Is it just being prayed for at the front of the meeting or...? So you've missed one of my questions. All right, do you want to go back to it? Yeah, we can do it in order. All right. <laughs> Which one do you want to so know? So number three. Number three. Yeah. I thought we did that. All right. Is being prayed for at the front of the meeting the only thing that happened? I thought that was a party poppers thing. No, that was afterwards. Oh. Um, so I, I felt that actually when we were prayed for, um, both of you and I received this sense of being like given a spiritual authority yeah. that, so when we went out, we could, we could act as if we were doing it on John's behalf and on, uh, as, as we were commissioned to do it. There was a real spiritual anointing, I suppose, for us to go and do what we, we were doing. But then also, um, the church were invited to bring words for us, and our friends got involved with some of the practical things that we also needed to release us to go uh, to Mozambique. And is it right that once you'd gone, we didn't really have anything to do with you? We just, just left us out Just there. forgot about you? Yeah. So. Or was there some sort of <laughs> vague ongoing contact? There was a lot of ongoing contact. Um, it felt like there was continuous <coughs> prayer. I know that whenever we had anything, uh, any difficulties, we could we could just send a, m a message and there would be prayer going on. We had some uh, of some people um, chose to uh, support us financially. Um, some people came out to encourage us. Um, John and Dawn came. Uh, Alan and Jenny came, and a few others. Dawn broke my mosquito net. Uh, we won't go into that. Um, we even had the Doulos team come through, and that was, in those days, it was um, Chris Page, Susie Thrift, and Jay Haycraft. And they mm -hmm. came out um, and spent a couple of weeks with us. So we had a lot of uh, ongoing support and encouragement. So it was just like a little holiday by the sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a tough place, and, uh, and Martin and Debbie did a fantastic job there. And I'm not going to tell you how the mosquito net got broken, um, other than saying that my wife had not had to use one before, and she was trying to enter it in reverse. <laughs> <coughs> right. A lot of fun, and uh, we certainly enjoyed those prawns. Yes. Yeah. Said, oh, Phil said it as well, right. Okay, so um, I don't know where we got to. Uh, all right, what does the scent give back to the sending community? That is quite an important one. We, we would often send back stories of how God had helped us in different situations, answers to prayer in particular. Um, and we, we'd hoped that as we were telling stories back to hear that that actually would, you know, when you had an answer to prayer, that that would obviously help build the faith um, of people here. And also we, we, we hoped that what we, were, what we were saying was that actually anybody could be sent, anybody could be used and chosen uh, and go off and do these things. Mm. <coughs> Anything else you wanted to add? On number five, no. On number six. Number six, I've got a... So, I'll ask the question as well then. So, oh, I can't ask no, no, it's okay, it's okay. So, what was the, um, so what evidence was being sent? What, what, what made a difference or what was the difference? 
And I think for us personally, we had a, a, um, a greater trust in God to be able to provide and look after us um, during that, that time abroad. We, we developed an expectation that God would work miracles as we prayed, that we had an expectation that, that God would intervene in different situations. We had a, an ongoing thankfulness that God was looking after us and that the people back here were praying for us, praying for, for our safety and for our provision. But for me personally, I had a, a real sense of fulfillment that I was actually out doing what God wanted me to do. I was in the right place uh, at that time. It was just a, well, I was there doing what God had asked me to do. And that just brought a, an overwhelming sense of being completely fulfilled. Thank you, Martin. Yeah. <clears throat> To be where God wants you to be, to be doing what you know he's called you to do, has got to be the best place in the whole world. And joking aside, it wasn't the most luxurious or comfortable setting. Uh, it wasn't even a very secure setting. Uh, so regular robberies and things were taking place and breaking into the property and things like that. But under God's calling, God's anointing, God's sending, somehow it lifts it to a different, a different level. It doesn't take you out of it, but it certainly takes you through it. And they were able to uh, see the work established in an excellent way, and then we handed it over to uh, the leader that had developed their uh, Mozambican. So how does it work? Well, it can, conclude, it can include international, like we've been talking about, national, local. Can be some high-level, influential kind of role, opportunity to influence. And uh, we thank God for those opportunities that we're even getting at this present time. Or it can be just almost like a happy stance. So... Do you remember Anthony telling us that he was, uh, as an ambulance driver, he was waiting there in the hospital um, to deliver a patient when, I don't know, some director or something came through looking at what was happening. And Anthony was able to speak to him and give a suggestion which, oh, we never thought about that before. What a great idea. You know, just being... At a point, in the calling of God, in the opportunity of being used where you are. Actually, who sends you is more important than where you're going. It's the sending of God that is critical. Where you go is wherever, he says. It's who you're representing rather than what you're doing and where you're going. Otherwise, we miss the point on that completely. And we're not talking about some sort of application to a, a faceless organisation, but we're talking about uh, sharing with those you're in relationship with, with the community, gathering round, the relational thing which is foundational to what God has given us to be. It's about being open yourself for input and support 
from the community that is actually sending you. It's not going and then being forgotten. And it's also, as Martin was saying, right there, finding a way to what we call share the plunder, report back on the uh, things that God is doing in answer to prayer. And we have seen in all the settings some very, very exciting things and interesting things. Was it on that journey that we were travelling back from Mozambique to Zimbabwe where we arrived and realised that the wheel was, should have fallen off? Yeah. And God just preserved and that's a long way. And I had no idea. And then we looked and said, wow, thank you, Lord. Preferred it to have happened in Zimbabwe than where we were before. Um, finding a way to share the good things. All right, so let's wind up with a response. At a general level, remember, we've all been sent. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you're called of God, according to the scriptures that we've looked at, there's a commission. It's not to sit and sing songs in a meeting. It's about to shine with his purpose and his love and to be a demonstration of that. Thank God we haven't got to sit there, sing and be happy till Jesus comes. I mean, it's nice, but I'd get a bit bored with that. That's like being told... You know, like we used to tell the kids when they're going to some wedding or something, you put their clean clothes on and they just sit there now and do nothing. And otherwise you'll get messed up. I'm going to sit and do nothing. We are people that are sent. So we've all been sent. You expect to carry something wherever you go, whatever you do. Really important. See, it's the spirit inside you wants to change the atmosphere around about you. Do you need God to help you change your mindset? Do you know what I would be shocked if nobody could say yes to that? In fact, I would say, what's the point in what we've just been talking about? Do you need God to help you change your mindset? To know that you're commissioned. To know that you're sent. To know that as part of the unblocking of the wells, God wants to uh, mobilise us. And it may be no different to where you are in the present time, but it will be different in terms of what you're carrying and what you're releasing into it. The spirit inside us wants to change the atmosphere. We need God's help for that. Perhaps you've never considered the thing of being sent. Maybe you need some time. Take some time. Take some time to think about it. Maybe you've decided you would, I'd like to be sent by this community. I want to be sent because I realise God has a purpose in me, or for me rather, in this setting where I am at the present time, which is beyond the job that I'm doing. Let me say that again. I've come to realise that God has a purpose for me beyond the fact that I'm here doing this job. I've, I'm, I'm seeing that. You've come into that realisation. I'm looking 
for his anointing to embrace the fullness of what he has in his plan for me in this place. I want the backing of this church community in the way of prayer and counsel and releasing me from obligations into heart interest and ownership. Maybe you'd like to support someone in some way who you see has been sent. What can you do to come alongside to effect that? See, it's like these things we talk about. They're really not for information only because God calls us to be doers, not just hearers of the word. So as we're hearing God and as we're listening to what he's saying and as we're sharing what he's saying, his purpose is that it leads to a doing, an action. Sent. Maybe it's right where you are at the moment, but with a new sense of realisation and expectation. The ball is in your court, the opportunity to respond. Father, we just ask that as we are seeking to track what you're saying in this whole thing of unstopping the wells, this thing of sending and commissioning, Lord, will you grant, please, that we would be, each and every one of us, in that position of being doers, not just hearers, that we might take seriously. We say, Lord, to you, your kingdom come, your will be done, for the glory of your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.